for the first time in a long time, statewide, this was an issue of Democrats crossing over in county elections and county commission and school board races. And they have had an effect, plus they're running, running candidates as independents. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, and today we are joined by Tim Rudd, House Representative for District 34. Tim is the chairman of the Elections and Campaign Finance Subcommittee and a member of the Local Government, Transportation, and Insurance Committees. Rudd formerly served on the Tennessee Republican Party State Executive Committee for 18 years. He hardly looks 18, but he did. He served for 18 years and has been a longtime activist in the Rutherford County Republican Party. Tim graduated from Smyrna High School and attended MTSU. He is the owner of Stones River Strategies, a direct mail and marketing uh, company that is not affiliated with Phoenix Solutions in any way. He has been <laughs> an affiliate broker with Caldwell Banker Barnes uh, for the past 22 years. His hobbies include building computers, woodworking, photography, and collecting uh, music memories memorabilia and antique watches. Tim attends Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro. Tim, welcome to the program. Hello. <laughs> you left out my most important activity. I'm also for 22 years, I've been a Coldwell Banker a realtor. <laughs> what? Did I skip? I said that. I read it right here. He has been an affiliate <laughs> broker with Coldwell Banker for the last 22 years. You just That's tried to put I that in there. to be in politics and lose money. <laughs> yes. Well, you just put that in there for shameless self-promotion, which I do a lot of and I can completely, <laughs> completely agree with. So <clears throat> welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I got to know Tim when I worked for Congressman Desjardins when he got redistricted into Murfreesboro. It's been about 10 years ago. It's hard to believe. And uh, at that time, uh, you were involved, I think, in the local Republican Party. Were you serving as treasurer then? No, that was in the early 90s, but I was involved um, in the executive committee as, as a member of the state executive committee is why I was on the local. Okay. So one reason I wanted to get Tim on here is because a lot of this that we're going to discuss today has two components the state Republican Party and its governing mechanisms in the Tennessee legislature. And so Tim is, is very qualified to look at both of those issues. So tell people about the origins. I don't think people really understand this, the origins of Democrat crossover voting that's allowed in Tennessee and Republican primaries. And while we still have this arcane and unusual situation that a lot of states just simply do not have. Well, the uh, the crossover voting uh, uh, from either party, we have what's called open primaries, uh, which means uh, it's under state law. It's a class C misdemeanor. If you cross over, one party crosses over and votes in the other party's primary. But DAs are not enforcing that because it's rather hard to prove. Uh, you, If you have an intention on switching parties and staying, you just keep voting in, a, in, the, in the other party's primary or you sign an oath of allegiance to that party and it's okay under the law. You know, otherwise, it's a class C misdemeanor. And the only way you can prove that somebody is not crossing over just to affect the vote, but not, it, not loyal to that party, let's say that you voted in a Democrat primary or let's say a Democrat voted in the Republican primary. And then they, the next election, they went back to the Democrat primary. That would indicate that they broke the law. However, if they kept voting Republican, that means they switched parties so that they, they wouldn't be breaking the law. 
So it's rather hard to prove. But then lately uh, in the press, a, a lot of the, and through emails, a lot of the uh, the Democrats and, and other counties have actually been communicating with their own people to, to do this. So we know they're, they're breaking law, it's, un, it's documented. It, it's a class C misdemeanor, which means it's a smaller crime. And the DAs in most counties are so busy with, uh, you know, um, um, rape and, and murder and other other violent crimes, they really don't have the staff to support prosecuting a lot of minor offenses, so they just haven't gone after this. It depends on what county you're in. A DA in one county could be very strict and go after this and enforce the law, then others may not. So if it's a if it's a class C, D, whatever class of misdemeanor it is, have has there ever been a case to your knowledge of this being prosecuted ever? Not to my knowledge, but uh, what went on since I've been involved in politics since the 90s, I'm not aware of any. Before that, I don't, I don't know. So, you know, I always say that if a law is not enforced or if it doesn't have any teeth, it might as well not be on the books. So, like, in a way, that that being in the law, if it's not enforced, is kind of a moot point for protecting the primaries. So, to your knowledge, what is the threshold or tipping point for a Republican candidate if they win um, with Democrat votes to rescind it? For example, here in Hamilton County, uh, we just had a very tight primary race. It was three-way, and uh, there's a petition in front of the SEC. I think that's going to be heard tomorrow, if that's my understanding, uh, in front of the state executive committees via Zoom. And Weston Womp won the, the GOP primary very narrowly. And there's all this evidence that Democrats came in purposefully and voted in this primary. You have uh, former chairmen uh, saying online who said Democrats can't elect a Republican and uh, or who said Democrats can't elect a county mayor. You've got, you know, rumors of text messages, emails being sent out asking people to do crossover voting, because if you're a Democrat, if you don't vote in the Republican primary, you might as well not vote in some counties and some districts. And so at what point would the SEC members consider uh, that Republicans have been so badly disenfranchised that they might do something about it? I mean, I know this is conjecture because you're not on the state executive committee, but you communicate with a lot of them. You have a lot of experience in this area. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not, I'm not familiar with, I think that's your county mayor's race. I'm not familiar with the numbers and who all run other than New West and Whoppers running. I don't know the other, other players, but um, um, if it was a very narrow, let's say within two or 300 votes, uh, any race, and it could be proven that there was a concerted effort and that crossover voting actually cost them on the election because just somebody crossed over doesn't necessarily they mean they voted for one particular candidate see it's it's rather hard to prove unless you uh can document let's say a race was lost by 180 votes and you can document the 200 known democrats so they uh they crossed over and uh, voted for one candidate which changed the outcome it's rather hard to prove um it would make it a lot easier if we just had closed primaries I know in talking to the state party uh, chairman, Scott Golden, and other members of the state executive committee after the election, for the first time in a long time, statewide, this was an issue of Democrats crossing over in county elections and county commission and school board races, and they have had an effect, plus they're running, running candidates as independents and, and numerous counties, including Rutherford. 
And uh, there, there is a concerted effort to get people elected at the local level, and they're using all kinds of tactics. Well, you know, if, if we let if we're dumb enough to let them as a Republican Party in a legislature, we deserve what we get, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I, if the rules, I, if I were running a race and if I could win by getting, you know, Democrats to cross over, I'm not saying that you can't if you're running a campaign, you know, whoever gets elected gets to govern and everybody else just gets to make wine out of sour grapes. And so when you're running a campaign, I used to run them all the time. I mean, all that stuff's on the table. If nothing's going to be done about it, then people are going to take advantage of it. So the, the SEC has a recent history of asking the legislature to prevent Democrats from crossing over and voting, basically asking for closed primaries. Take us back to you know what caused that to happen when it happened, and then tell us what the legislature uh, did. Well, to go back, when I was on the state executive committee, I had to come off the state executive committee when I was elected to the state legislature under party rules. So in 2016, the midnight of my election, I had to resign from the state executive committee because I was effectively elected a legislator that night. And uh, But before that, my 18 years that I was on the state executive committee, uh, I tried over and over and over again to have close primaries on the executive committee. The more moderate members just just wouldn't do it. They they didn't approve of it. But recently, uh, uh, about what, four years ago, they uh, they did pass a resolution asking for closed primaries. And Andy Hope and I both carried legislation. He carried the full fledged. Andy carried the full fledged legislation that would close primaries. Period. Then, as a test, when his went down, I watered mine down so that it would be just partially closed primaries. See if I could get that passed, and it failed too. And the problem we keep running into is kind of the same problem we had on the SEC for, for decades, is that we have not been a majority party in Tennessee really up to just since 2010, where we've had a solid majority. We keep getting where we got a super majority in the legislature now. And we're, we're winning offices all across the state by running people for local office. We just managed this past session to close, uh, have uh, partisan primaries for school boards. And that leaves only city elections where they can have nonpartisan elections now where you can't have partisan elections. Um, so what, what's happened is, is in those smaller rural areas, they're not used to being the majority. Most of the elected officials still run as independents. They don't run partisan. They don't call primaries. Although the state party, Scott Golden and Chris Devaney before him have really been pushing to ask for primaries, even if you only run one person, they have been really pushing to the state party for local, they've been putting a lot of pressure on local counties to call for primaries. Uh, I think a, a great example of this is Wilson County. Wilson County did not have primaries. They tried and tried and tried, and then just this session, they, they, they called primaries, and lo and behold, virtually everybody is running as a Republican now, and they uh, They've had recently had their first primaries contested and people won. Um, a lot of the, uh, that before that they ran as independents. So it, it works. You just have to try it. It's kind of like Marsha Blackburn said once, how did you, when she was chairman in the early nineties of the Williamson County Republican party, how did you build this Republican party in Williamson County? She said, we ran people. And that's the beginning of it. And if you close your primaries and start running people after two or three cycles, they're all going to be running. 
And, but the rural areas are used to, I grew up with Roscoe, I grew up with Buddy, I grew up with Howard, I grew up with Jane. I don't wanna rock the boat. We, we're not used to being a Republican majority in this county. It's a rural county. I grew up with all of them, went to school with them. I don't want to upset them. I don't want to upset the courthouse crowd. So we're just going to keep running as independents. So they don't want closed primaries in a lot of these areas. And you're in your more suburban uh, middle class and upper middle class counties where all the Republican activ activity is like around Nashville and, and major metro areas, you have more activists and they want closed primaries. So it's a matter of winning over the hearts and minds of our own party and people getting used to being a majority party, really. So if you you probably don't know the answer to this, uh, but there are 95 counties, I hope, 95 counties in Tennessee. Uh, how many don't have primaries? How many or how many are, you know, have, yeah, yeah, how many don't have primaries? Do you have any idea like what percentage it is? It's got to be just a handful. Since uh, Scott Golden's really been pushing for the uh, for the primaries, I don't know the exact numbers. Now you'd have to ask him. He he has the exact numbers off his head. He's very proud of it. How many thousand people are running right down to the exact number running partisan in what counties? I'm would, I'm just guessing, purely guessing at this point based on what I've heard. But I'd probably say about two thirds of all the counties are running primaries now. Okay, I would email and ask Scott Golden, but he does not. Could be higher than that. I can't, my emails don't go through. They, some, there's some kind of spam filter at the Republican party and they just, they just go up there and the, out in the ether. Scott's not getting them close circuit transmission to anyone who, who can email well, Scott Golden and send ask me that your question. questions and I'll try to get an answer. You're to be a liaison. You could be an, a mediator. Uh, <laughs> Here at the Tennessee conservative guys, we bring you news that no other organization will bring you. We're the only organization that covered anything on social media censorship. We're the only organization that is fighting in any significant way against illegal immigration in our state. We are one of the strongest advocates for school choice. We try our very best to keep Republicans honest on their campaign promises. And we try to fight against the corruption caused by left-leaning corporations in Nashville and the bureaucracy that government has created that works against your interests with taxpayer-funded lobbyists. The only way we can do this, and I kid you not, is with your support. Nobody else is going to do it. If you're waiting on somebody else to be conservative in your stead, that's how we got to the point we are, and that's why we have so few conservative media outlets. So when you go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com support, and if you give any amount, we will send you this proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. We will also send you this Please don't California my Tennessee bumper sticker, and we will send you a directory, and I hope this thing changes in the primary of all our state Republicans, uh, both at the House and at the Senate level, so that when they try to do shenanigans, you can call them and tell them to stop, and when they try to do good things, you can ask them to go forward. And finally, if you get $50 or more, or a recurring donation of $10 or more, you'll get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Now, this Tumblr was made from the melted down sword of Excalibur. It has magical properties. It will imbue you with superpowers. It will correct all of your vitamin uh, deficiencies. It also uh, cures most rheumatoid arthritis. And um, if you were to, to take this, and if you were to put all the campaign promises in here that are made on the campaign trail, 
This also has like the Wonder Woman's magic lasso. It has the ability to get truth out of people. If you put most Republicans' campaign promises in here, which would fill it up to the very brim, and you close the lids and you wave your hand over it, and then you poured it out, you'd get about three drops of conservative policy. That is how magical this tumbler is, and it helps conservative messages and news get out there. Guys, I need your help. Go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. I'll plainly tell you, last year... We got our taxes back. I put 65 grand into this puppy. So when you say, well, I don't have any money I can't give, I'm going to have to call BS on that. Get in the fight. Give today. TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. I can't do it without you. Don't wait for somebody else to do it because it ain't going to get done. So let me ask you this. What would have to happen for the legislature, uh, in the legislature for Republicans to finally have closed primaries? Uh, you know, what committee would it go through? Uh, if it's going through the old state and local government committee, whoo, that's a rough one to try to get through. We couldn't, we couldn't even get like transparency for taxpayer funded lobbying to get a second out of that one. It's like it, it the one that, well, at least the, the, the committee, not the subcommittee necessarily, but it's, it's been rough um, on the house side and maybe it's a, it's a different one, but uh, tell me like which committee would it have to go through and, what are the chances? What are your thoughts? And the uh, on the Senate side, which is where most of these efforts die, the state and local government committee would go. They don't have subcommittees in the Senate. Uh, would go through state and local government, and there's where a lot of election laws and things like this die. A uh, a cruel death, or get sent to summer study, or to a general sub, which means it's dead. And the House, it would go through my committee first: campaigns, elections, finance. Then it would go to the local government committee. And then from there, depending on what the bill says, it would either go on to, uh, to the uh, uh, go straight to finance at that point, or uh, if it didn't have big fiscal note, depending on how the legislation is written, it could then go double referred to government operations committee. But probably it would just go through my subcommittee and then local, and then it would go on to finance in the full. Okay, so we could get it out of your committee, but then it would be killed. And it'd be killed in the state and local government committee, probably. The I'm not last, saying uh, the last two we did, uh, I think three years ago, Andy Hope and I did. They both died in, in local full. That sounds about right. That's that's where conservative legislation goes to die. Um, <laughs> so we've got so that's that's what we've got to look for and hope for. You know, we had a lot of fights in the legislative session uh, for things that I thought were pretty no, you know, brain dead simple legislation like you can't transport legal immigration or you can't transport mass transport legal immigrants in tennessee that thing got killed social media censorship might be a good idea nope don't have don't have a hundred thousand dollars for that but we got like half a billion for nfl millionaire and billionaires amazing last session things i thought would just sail through because it's what the, the you know the the party or the primary voters want but it's not it's you know those aren't the people cutting the checks uh, from the packs up there. That's not what they want. Um, you've, you've been very kind with your time here, Tim. Uh, what's your last word on all this? What would you recommend to people? What are your thoughts on the subject? Uh, well, wait on me. Give you three examples of bills, and I can tell you where I think the solution, long-term or short-term solution of this is. Number, um, number one, to give you an example where we're at just this session, I had uh, two bills. Uh, to kind of test the waters. I, I didn't call for closed primaries and I didn't call for registration. But what I did say is I had a bill that stated on 
new forms going forward so we could use the old forms up that people had a right to write in their party affiliation when they registered to vote, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Communist, whatever. You could just write it in and we put it in the database. Had no bearing. You could still go and choose any primary you wanted, but at least it would be on the record so we'd have an indication. Um, that died. That went nowhere. Uh, I didn't have the votes for it. I just, I just withdrew it. I got it through my committee. And we were discussing, and a lot of senior leadership, some some of them very conservative, not the upper leadership, I'm chairmans. And it just, just didn't have the support. And then the other bill I had, which you think would really flow through, but it died in the Senate. And I had a bill about the signed notification of the closed primaries. It is already written into code that states that if you cross over voting, you not only cross over voting with no intention to stay, it's a class C misdemeanor. I had a yellow sign of an eight and a half by 11 sign that was to be posted at all the precincts. Just a simple notice. And that that died in the Senate because they said that was intimidating voters. And so Mark Pody was carrying that for me in the Senate. The votes wasn't there and he withdrew that. And it's just, it just amazes me. And I told him, you should have just gone ahead and let them vote against it. <laughs> all right. The other is I had a bill that getting off this to tell you how hard it is to, to pass some some meaningful legislation that's needed. As you know, we had the issue in Chattanooga where we had the, uh, the unaccompanied minor children. And they found out, they didn't know because the Biden administration does not have to tell us those children are coming in to the state. So I had a piece of sweeping legislation and now the Biden administration is keeping those in single homes to avoid detection. They have Democrat activists or government employees that are keeping them in homes, not one child or two children per individual home. They're not keeping them in hotels and dormitories anymore. We still don't know where those are at. We can find out later through budget because those people have to be paid, but it takes a while. So my legislation would say that the Department of Children's Services would make it illegal to do this to, for unaccompanied minor children to come through without registering with the Department of Children's Services and that they would go and inspect any single family home to make sure that the home is healthy and the child's being properly provided for. We can't stop the federal government from bringing them in here because they, they have priority over us, but we can punish the Tennessean that's helping them if they're not obeying the law. Uh, Department of Children's Services had that bill killed they didn't want to police individual homes, so they didn't have the, they just didn't want to do it. So there was another bill that came through later that, that excluded single parent, single family homes. From, of course, there's probably where 90% of the kids are. So the bill that was passed does very little to address the problem. So there's kind of where we got. We had a state department who didn't want to do the job, even if we had to give them more employees to do it. So now unaccompanied minor children are still flowing through Tennessee under our noses, and we don't know where they're at. And the law we passed does very little to address the problem, unless they're a licensed child care provider and they're in large group homes. But again, that's not where the children are being stayed. So it's it's frustrating trying to get meaningful legislation passed sometimes, but we get a lot of really good and heavy conservative legislation passed on, on abortion, on, on student rights, on transgender uh, sports participating, all kinds of things you think wouldn't get passed it does, but minor things you think would be easy, like closed primaries or a sign notice, can't get it passed. Um, a lot of the local officials start crying about change like this. Sometimes it's election administrators, sometimes it's other, other local officials, and they do not want change. 
And um, we got other sweeping legislation on elections passed this year. We got audits passed where we're going to audit the elections after uh, after the August and uh, November elections that passed. And that is a wonderful piece of legislation. So we can start auditing, randomly auditing elections now uh, to, to make sure everything's on the up and up. Um, what how we address this in the future when the legend when the when the sec passed that resolution a few years ago asking us to have closed primaries we got no help we had no activists on the hill sitting around visiting legislators and the state party was silent we didn't have anybody helping us and andy holt and i were alone and it died if we're going to do this in the future and i know scott gold and i talked after the election he is very alarmed at crossover voting. He wants something done about it. Uh, he's willing to fight for it. The state parties roused up over it because it really did affect some of our primaries um, across the state. And so uh, I think there's a chance that if over the, the next few months we uh, lobby those uh, legislators in the Republican caucus who are against it and some of the leaders who are against it, we possibly can get some legislation passed next year to address this. Well, here's my commitment to you. I will do my best. I might even come up there for that one. I'm kind of a homebody. I don't leave here to go many places, but I will I will come up to the Capitol and lobby for closed primaries as a, just a citizen. And I'll see if I can bring some people up there and get some folks to come up there. And uh, we'll, if we can get somebody to carry that bill. And, you know, Scott Golden, I, I really wish on issues like illegal immigration, school choice, social media censorship. Like, I never hear anybody from the Republican Party um, champion the platform. They champion the people, the personalities, but not the platform. We need more. We need a lot. Look at like, what is what do we stand for and who is in our party that stands for it and who is more likely to, to vote with the Democrats when it counts because they're, you know, they get on PAC welfare up there. You know how it is, Tim. You start out 10% of your money's from PACs. As soon as you get elected, it turns into, you know, 50%. And then the next cycle at 60, 70%. And after a while, none of your money comes from your district and you're beholden to all these special interests and they like legal immigration. Uh, they want conservatives to be less, they want Republicans to be less conservative um, because that's not what their left-leaning corporate, you know, corporate interests go. So we got to be careful. I think one of the big issues, Tim, and I don't know if you've seen this and this is not, you can say you can play the fifth if you want to. Uh, but I see one of the, probably the, the most insidious influence since I've been running this October 2020. It's been really eye opening up in the legislature. Is all the money comes from left leaning corporations up in Nashville and the candidates accounts and even in leadership's accounts. And they don't share our values. And so there's this conflict like here's the Republican primary voter. Here's the left leaning pack. And they are like this and when all your money comes from one side but your votes come from another it's just it's really conflicting i mean what have you seen up there i mean you, you're pretty good about shooting people straight i i have not i have not been a big uh, uh i mean i on average i guess i i usually raise in an election year like i, I raised very little last year i didn't even have the fundraiser probably raised about three thousand people to send both individuals and packs sending me money without even a, an event this they just arrived in the money and uh, this year i'll be doing a fundraiser i got to raise about thirty thousand uh, dollars for my for my november election right now i'm busy helping all the locals uh commission and school board and other can countywide candidates raise money 
and uh, helping them in their campaigns. So I'm kind of neglecting my own. And uh, so I'll, I'll be doing that. But usually when I raise money like this year, if I let's say I raise $30,000, in most cases, it'll probably be 10 to 12,000-ish. That's from PAX and Nashville, and the rest of it will be local. My my local donations usually always out outweigh my uh, yeah. My but you're you're donation. you're an exception. Usually, well, I'm not very good at asking PACs for money. Well, if you're con- PACs don't like me, and then some do. I get I get donations from from some PACs which I don't solicit, like railroad PACs. Um, I, I'm not on a, uh, I want I, I just got appointed to transportation this year, but I've always got something from railroads. I, I'll get something occasionally from a chemical, um, you know, like a, um, a a porter or some chemical company, which there's no chemical plants in my district. So I don't know what motivates them. Um, I'll get something from a highway pack before I was on transportation. I'm not getting any uh, transportation money yet, but I was just appointed. But I don't know if I'll get any or not. I don't solicit it. But um, I've been on insurance for a long time and I'll get money from both sides. I'll get money from hospitals. I'll get money from insurance. But at no point has any of them ever said, hey, we gave you money. Would you vote this way? Nobody's ever brought that up. And I don't get a lot. I, I kind of am offended. Sometimes I look back, even though I haven't asked these people for money, I look back at my other colleagues. And I say, well, goodness gracious, they got 50,000. I only got 10. <laughs> they must be doing something right. And I'm doing something wrong. But uh, on average, I guess I usually have about thirty or forty thousand in my account, and I usually have about seventy to a hundred thousand for an election. And um, but it's it's a variety of me. It's always been a variety. I don't have a certain um, I don't have a certain niche. But you think most of the what I would consider most of the real liberal um, packs and organizations they don't particularly care for me that much, like the statewide chamber and the trial lawyers and Others, they they uh, they they really don't uh, put me on their Christmas list. Well, the the Chamber of Commerce uh, at the state level and the NFIB on stuff like illegal immigration, buddy, they they try to kill that stuff, and it's such a shame because you've got these rural Chamber of Commerce that are primarily conservative, just trying to help their their businesses, but the state Chamber of Commerce is very much plugged into the National Chamber of Commerce. And they are very left-leaning. I mean, here in our uh, in our county, we had to report on the fact that they're having everybody take these pledges that our county is systematically racist, and that we need to address it. All uh, this diversity, equity, inclusion—this you know, what I call new racism—they just package it up. The devil's not lazy; and he packages up racism every you know ten years. Like when people catch on, okay, this is racist. This is slavery. It's against black and brown people. He's like, ah. Well, they figure this out. Let's give it a rest for about five years and get a little peace and quiet going between race relations. And then we'll just put it on somebody else. And people are dumb enough to fall for it again and again. And uh, it, it happens here with our local chamber. It's, it's a shame, uh, really, because we've got a great community. And I've, I live right in the middle of a cultural melting pot, and I don't see any of it. If, I, if anybody's going to see it, I'm three, you know, three houses off Brainerd Road. I'd see it all the time. Um, anything else that's going on you just want to talk about? Before we let go, this last part's been a little ad lib. Oh, I, I don't know what really to talk about. There's so many issues to talk about. Um, I, uh, you mentioned the, the the Titan Stadium earlier. I didn't support the Titan Stadium getting the bond and the 55 million advance, and I, I felt that uh, my argument was that we've our schools need money. 
Rutherford County needs money for other issues. My district needs money. Um, we got roads and bridges that need to be uh, built and expanded and uh, new highways. And I couldn't justify um, supporting um, a private enterprise, getting that kind of money. Now, of course, it's it's going to generate some extra revenue, but to me, basically, it's 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 remodeling Titan Stadium and putting a roof on it in the same location. I don't see how it's suddenly going to do spur development when the current stadium has it. And by the way, on either side of Titan Stadium, which they they will in the future claim that this new dome stadium has developed all that area that's undeveloped. It's already committed to being developed. You got Oracle that's coming in on one side, which is already committed, has nothing to do with Titan Stadium. On the other, where all the scrap metal is, they were given their eviction notice two years ago to be out because they're going to redevelop that into condos. So again, that development that's coming around Titan Stadium has absolutely nothing to do with Titan Stadium, but I bet you they claim it in the future. Now, listen, don't be using logic and reason. We <laughs> need more social media posts about how it's going to make everything better. And, you know, we need to we need to get about 12 lobbyists involved trying to fleece the, the public up there in Nashville and to act as if that is just business as usual. Uh, Tim, don't say stuff like that. that that's going to stop the pack money from coming quick. You just, you probably just lost 10 grand there. You got to keep that under your hat. Uh, <laughs> well, bud, uh, I've enjoyed having you on the program. Uh, you're somebody that I can always count on when there's like a question about something uh, to help us. We're always trying to get conservative legislation passed. You've been remarkably helpful and a, and a wealth of, of wisdom as I've tried to learn the last two years. It has been, there's still a lot I don't know. Uh, 18 months from now, I'll know more than I know now, uh, but you've been very helpful and, and we can count on you to, to be conservative. I always say you can't you can't count on people 100% of the time and you take it vote by vote, but uh, you're somebody that we can count on. Uh, more. We agree far more than we ever disagree and I appreciate what you do because you're in an area that could easily have uh, a terrible representative. All of our rhinos in Tennessee come from the metro areas and the collar counties around the metro areas, just about. There's a few exceptions, but you're right there in Murfreesboro, uh, and you're, you're kind of one of those shining conservative exceptions in a metro area, and uh, we're thankful for it. Well, I'm, I'm kind of proud. They're both in the House and Senate. They've got a pretty good delegation. We all work together. They're, uh, Rutherford just keeps growing and growing and growing. We got our fifth House seat. I had to give up 35,000 people this year from my district to help create a new, that's half of a new house seat, how much mine has grown. And I hate to give up any of it. I love all of my district, it's good people. And, uh, but that'll be in the new new house seat. And um, then the Senate seats also in the road for the two Senate seats shrunk. So we'll be getting a new house member um, for the new seat. And um, I'm anxious to, to work with that person in the future as well. Very good. Tim, thank you so much for coming to the program. We appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, if you enjoyed this program, you can find more of it archived uh, at TennesseeConservativeNews.com. Do hit that subscribe button. You will not always uh, see everything we do on social media, but we send out our daily newsletter. And also search for Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast. Try to give us a five-star review. Recommend it to your friends. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis, signing off.